Hi, this is Andrew Phillips. Thank you for downloading the Gramier Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. If you have any questions or if you'd like to contact us, check out our website at gramier.com. We'd also love for you to visit with us in a worship service. You're always welcome at Gramier Church of Christ. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. December is a busy month for a lot of different reasons. And some of those reasons are very positive and exciting. You get to spend time with family. Maybe you get to travel uh, to some other places. Uh, And some of those reasons can be challenging just thinking about managing a schedule. Uh, But there's one thing that happens every year about this time, uh, and that is there's a renewed focus and a renewed emphasis on Jesus. People are thinking about and talking about Jesus. And we understand as we look through Scripture that while Scripture tells us a great deal about the incarnation, about God's Son coming to earth, we don't have an exact date when that happened. Uh, We don't know exactly when that was. Uh, But I've often thought that uh, as as, as we reflect on what it would be like to go into a new culture, maybe as uh, a, a missionary or you're going into a new place, what would happen if there was an opportunity you had where everyone in the culture around you would start thinking about focusing on Jesus? Wouldn't that be a golden opportunity, a moment where you could say, hey, we'd like to share with you, we'd like to tell you more about what we know is true about Jesus. And so over the next several weeks, uh, we are going to uh, have an opportunity uh, to do that. Uh, We're going to have an opportunity to spend time thinking about the story of Jesus. When does that begin? Uh, And so as we think about the passage that Ronnie just read for us, we're starting off thinking about the beginning of of the light of the world. What does it mean to have light shining in darkness? And how does that impact? How does that affect? How does that help us as we seek to uh, imagine and sort of, of understand uh, what it was like for Jesus to come into the world? And so if you haven't already turned there, I hope that you'll turn to John chapter 1. Uh, There's one thing that we can know, and that is there are times when this world can be a very dark place. Uh, There's something inherently scary about darkness. We don't have to be taught that as a child. Uh, We don't have to, to, someone doesn't have to tell us we need to worry when we can't see what's right in front of us. Uh, We know that happens. It's just instinctive. If we can't see what's in front of us, if we can't see what it is that we're running into in the middle of the night as we're trying to navigate through a house that's dark, if, if we can't see what's happening outside around us, we feel unsettled. There's just something about darkness 
that's challenging and difficult. And we also know that the world around us can be filled with a lot of different darkness. Uh, it's not hard for us to flip through channels on TV or to hear reports of issues all over the world and problems and challenges, and it's hard even to know where to begin when we want to pray for these things. There just seems like there's so much negativity. I read recently about a reporter who in the late 90s was quoted as saying that he had never before believed in the existence of pure evil, that there wasn't uh, you know, that no one could really be uh, purely evil until he started covering some of the things that he covered. That was over 20 years ago. And we've seen the effects of evil. We've seen the impact of evil in the world around us. And we know that every one of us has the potential to be a, a forgiven child of God, but we also know the impact that evil has had on the mindsets of so many and the challenges that we face, uh, the world can be a dark and challenging place. It's also important to realize that we can face our own kinds of darkness. We can face our own specific challenges. Sometimes they're challenges that you know about. They're challenges that people uh, see in your life and that are obvious and that are evident. And sometimes they aren't. And even this morning, you may be wrestling with your own personal challenges and darkness, and that's such a, a difficult time for us to be. I don't have to convince us that the world we live in can be a dark place. But I also want to remind us that there's even something more challenging than physical darkness, and that's the spiritual darkness that we can face. So, for example... When we look in Ephesians chapter 4, this is the way Paul describes the way that Gentiles uh, used to uh, behave. In verse 17, he said, So I say, this I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness, but you did not learn Christ in this way. There's a serious contrast here between the life that Christ guides us to and the spiritual darkness that we walk in if we're left up to our own devices. In fact, when we read through John chapter 1, we're getting a preview into several of the themes that will continue to surface throughout the Gospel of John. So let's start reading in these, these verses we've looked at and just notice how these themes are going to come into play throughout John's Gospel. In verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Mark's gospel starts in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Mark dives right into what Jesus was doing in his ministry, in the beginning of his ministry. But John 1, verse 1, starts at the very beginning. At the beginning we read about in Genesis, in the beginning. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, verse 2. Look at verse 3. All things came into being through him. 
And apart from him, apart from the word, in the beginning was the word, apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Or verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. These first five verses set the stage for what happens as Jesus' light shines in the darkness. Even today, there's discussion about Jesus. People talk about Jesus. It makes me wonder, do we really comprehend, do we really understand the story? Barna Research Group, not too long ago, did a survey where 71% of people who were surveyed uh, said that they thought positively, they reacted positively to Jesus. But that number went down as they started thinking about, quote, religious people, their perception of Christians. So there was a lot of positive uh, impressions that were made from Jesus. Their impressions were not that positive when thinking about his people. It challenges us sometimes. Do we really understand have we really comprehended what's happening with Jesus? This morning, I just want to remind us that if, when it comes to looking at the story of Christ, we live in a world that can be dark. And over and over again, we're reminded that His light shines in the darkness. One of the songs that we sing, Here I Am to Worship, begins, Light of the world, step down into darkness. And then the next line is, opened my eyes, let me see. The light of the world shining into darkness is what allowed me to walk differently than the walk that Paul mentions in Ephesians chapter 4. The light shines here, and light and dark are all through ancient writings. But this is more than just philosophy. This is more than just a dualistic good versus evil kind of concept. This is understanding our Creator. And in fact, this theme of light and dark shows up several times in John's gospel. Jesus would say in John 3, 19, that men loved the darkness rather than the light. Uh, we see that the light continues to shine, and you have that concept all throughout John's gospel. And we even see people struggle with a darkened understanding of what's happening. So when John talks to Nicodemus, uh, when Jesus talks to Nicodemus in John 3, Nicodemus is confused about a new birth that Jesus talks about. Or in John chapter 4, when he talks with a woman at a well, and she's talking about uh, water, he's talking about living water, and she's confused, thinking about physical water from the well. In John chapter 9, Jesus heals a man who was born blind. And then he tells the Pharisees, the religious leaders, because they think that they don't have any issues because they think they have it all together. They don't understand what they have wrong. Then their blindness remains. It's that theme that Jesus is constantly going to point to. And we know that when we look at John chapter 1, we're dealing with Jesus because look at verse 1 and then compare it down to verse 14. In the beginning was the Word. And then notice how verse 14, John defines the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
In the first century, the term logos or word was a very densely packed term with a lot of, of, of different uses in the philosophical realm, different uses uh, even in the religious realm. But it's almost as if John takes this term and says, let me tell you what you have thought of as the embodiment of reason and wisdom. Let me tell you what happened. The one who gave us all that reason and wisdom was made flesh. That's the description of Jesus, of the Son being made flesh. Tabernacling among us is one way that you could translate verse 14. We know what the tabernacle was. Uh, We know what that was for the Israelites. That was how God dwelt among his people. Now that's Jesus. So the word is tabernacled among us, but John is also saying the word was with God in the beginning, and also the word was God. Uh, So we, we are introduced to a concept that's probably hard for us to completely grasp, but that the Father and the Son are both God and yet both distinct from each other. Now, we won't find the word Trinity in Scripture if we're reading, but we do see the concept of a three-in-one God, of a triune God that's there, Father, Son, and Spirit. And if we compare John 1 with Genesis 1, we see in the beginning... God is speaking words into existence, but also Genesis tells us the Spirit is there, is present, hovering over the waters. John 1 tells us the Word was there. We've got Father, Son, and Spirit all present in creation. And John is saying that Son of God was made flesh. He was both with God and was God. And there's some discussion uh, today. You might find some... uh, uh, individuals who would say, well, if you, you know, uh, there's a version of this floating out there that says, uh, you know, the Word was with God and the Word was a God. But that's not what we have in the text. Uh, that's not what we have if you're looking just in the original text, but also just in the theology of Scripture. It's not another God. He is God. Look at the way Paul describes this in Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1 Verse 15 describes Jesus as the image of the invisible God. The the likeness of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now when we think of firstborn, we naturally think of an an individual uh, who was the oldest in his family, the first child that's born. And yet, what we see in the description of firstborn in Scripture is not only can it refer to that, but it can also be a firstborn uh, in, in priority one who is uh, ultimate in priority. In fact, Psalm 89.27 uses that to describe the greatest of kings on earth as the firstborn. That same phrase, as the greatest of kings. It's not saying that Jesus is somehow a created being. We know what John 1 says. He's saying that as far as priority goes, there is no other king that is greater than him. The name above every name. The light shining in the darkness. When we think about Jesus, it's important for us to reflect on how he came to earth. The incarnation matters, the fact that he became flesh. But it's also important for us to realize that wasn't the beginning of Jesus' story. That's the beginning of the gospel we have. But God has always been. In the beginning was the Word. All things came into being through him. Again, that probably shouldn't surprise us, 
Because when we read through the pages of Genesis, when God speaks, things are created. So the Word of God, all things were created through Him. Jesus has sometimes been described as the architect of all creation. Now imagine what that focus can tell us when we picture Jesus walking in the first century. When we see Him going up to people, going up to to individuals. He created humankind and yet they're rejecting Him. When He sees people accusing Him, even crucifying Him, this is His creation. Why did Jesus have power over the storm? Why could He calm a storm in the sea? Because he, all things were created through Him. These are all His creation. How could He restore people whose health was facing challenges? Because He is the author of life. The light shines in the darkness. And John's trying to help his readers understand that Jesus' story doesn't just begin in a manger. It begins with a God who was willing, who loved His people so much to send His Son, the image of the invisible God, the one from the beginning who was with God and was God, and He becomes flesh. All things were created through Him. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. That's why this light that we talk about is more than just turning on a flashlight into some darkness or turning on a nightlight so that people can see what's happening. Uh, This is the light. Life-giving light. We know the relationship between light and life. In fact, we know what happens even when we are spending time without light. I mean, have you noticed that even with, with daylight savings time and with the, the clock change, have, have you noticed how strange it feels when it gets dark early? It's just kind of unsettling. It takes me a couple of weeks just to get used to that. Just the pattern of light and dark. There are some places uh, where people live where they have shorter days or deal with more darkness. That takes some adjustment. It's a challenge for us. We know the relationship between light and life. And so the light shines in the darkness. Now here's the challenge for us. Something for us to realize. Whatever darkness it is we're facing, the light can shine into that specific darkness. And this is important because it's easy for us to be so overwhelmed and discouraged by what's happening around us We forget about the power of Jesus. I can look at circumstances in life and feel like, boy, you know, there's just so much going on. There's just so much that's negative. I just don't know how it's ever going to get any better. And we can forget of the power of the life-giving light that we talk about here. It's important for us to realize that even in our own personal darkness, even in our own physical challenges, that the light of Jesus can make a difference. It may be that this morning what you need to hear, what you need to reflect on more than anything else is that the light can make a difference in your own life. I don't know what that is for you, what that is you're facing. Maybe it's something that has been a challenge on and off for years. Maybe it's some news you received just this week that you're wrestling with and that you're dealing with. Whatever the case, do you believe that the light can shine in darkness? Do you believe that Jesus' light can shine into even the darkest places 
in life and make a difference. Darkness can be inherently frightening. It's good to know that even when we don't fully comprehend it, we can know the light is shining in the darkness. If you're in John chapter 1, look at the rest of the, verse, of the chapter. We're just going to touch on a couple of things. There came a man sent, verse 6, from God. His name is John. And he came as a witness. He's testifying about the light, that all might believe through him. Verse 8, he was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlivens every man. Now our role and our message is not quite the same as, as John the Baptist. John had a, a special mission that was prepared for him. He's preparing the way of Jesus but you know, there is a similarity here when we think about our role as pointing to the light, testifying about the light, the true light. In fact, John records Jesus describing himself as the light of the world. But in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus also looked at his listeners, at his followers, and said, you are the light of the world, that you are called to reflect that light. We aren't the light as Christians. We don't produce it ourselves. We're not saying people should come and be part of this church because we're such a great church, because I'm somebody, because you're somebody, because we are someone powerful, but because we're walking in the light. And because, as Paul would write to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, there is one who enlightens every man who brings light into the darkness. And that's what we're pointing others to. As we reflect on Jesus, and as we look at the world around us as a mission field, I think it's important for us uh, to take a time just to reflect on what the incarnation really means. And I struggled this week to try to, to come up with, to think of some sort of illustration uh, every illustration, every analogy ultimately breaks down. There's none that's perfect. But I, I do want to share one that was written in an essay that C.S. Lewis wrote uh, years ago. And again, it's not a perfect analogy, but if you have a, a pet, if you have a dog that you love, uh, maybe this is a helpful uh, sort of way to think about it. And so he would say, lying at your feet is your dog. Now just imagine for the moment that your dog and every dog is in deep distress. Some of us love dogs very much. If it would help all the dogs in the world to become like men, would you be willing to become a dog? Again, I know this is a strange illustration. Just go with me on this one. Would you put down your human nature, leave your loved ones, your job, hobbies, your art and literature and music and choose instead of intimate communion with your beloved, the poor substitute of looking into the beloved's face and wagging your tail, unable to smile or speak. Christ by becoming man limited the thing which to him was the most precious thing in the world, his unhampered, unhindered communion with the Father. The way that Paul describes it to the church at Philippi was that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be held onto, but was willing to make himself nothing. We can't imagine all that's included in what that means for Jesus to be willing to give up that position in order to come to earth. But even if we can't fully understand or picture how that works, surely we can understand the sacrifice that it took 
for Jesus to come to dwell among us and to shine his light. I don't know how dark things may be around you, but I know that as we reflect on the reasons we're here to worship, uh, the reasons we're here to exalt Christ, it's because the light of the world stepped into darkness and opened our eyes that we can see. It may be that you need to respond to that light this morning, that you need to put Christ on in baptism, that you start living a life that's described as walking in the light, as walking in his path. We would love to celebrate that with you and for you. Uh, It may be that there are some other issues that you're facing. Maybe you're dealing with some darkness of your own and, and you need some prayers and encouragement. Right after our worship service here, if you go out this doorway, there are a couple of our shepherds that would love to sit down with you uh, and to talk with you, pray with you, if that's what would be most helpful. Uh, But ultimately, uh, we want to help you any way we can. It may be that the whole church family praying for you is something that could be a blessing to you. Let's be reminded of how we can walk in the light, even in a dark world. If we can help you in any way, please come as we stand and as we sing together. As we sing together.